Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Fox. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we have the eye of the tiger. Oh God, we are also a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we are continuing with Threequel Month, for uh, it is the month of March. Yes, it is. The if third month. So we're talking about all three movies. Yes, the third month of 2023. Ah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Tell me we don't know how to plan on this show. So this week we are continuing with a movie series that uh, we actually took a break from last year. I think we were planning on doing this movie last year, but we had technical difficulties. So we ended up skipping it and saving it for this year. Scotty, what movie did you show me today? Today we watched. Oh, boy. Rocky Free. <gasps> Released in 1982. Yes. And Rocky Free is still a good movie. Yes. It is not as good as Rocky. No. But it's still a lot of fun. It's quick enough where you don't start really caring about the flaws. It was the quickest, I think, so far. It's in 99 minutes. Not to say the other two were long, but this definitely, I noticed, was very quickly paced. Uh, I would say, quality-wise, overall, I would say Rocky Three is on par with Rocky Two as far as how much I enjoyed it. But there are definitely flaws that we can discuss as we go on. Yeah, again, Rocky Two and Rocky Three are actually probably pretty good comparisons for each other. Because mm-hmm. both of them, while good movies, are flawed in ways. Yeah. Despite little things that are different, or even bigger things that are different, they all still follow the same formula in that Rocky is fighter. Rocky is down and out for whatever reason and doesn't think he can do it. But then he has a big fight coming up and he must do it. Cue training montage, then fight happens, then ding ding, then yo Adrian. Well, the uh, end. <laughs> well, again, the thing that makes Rocky such a great character, especially early on, is Rocky's usually the underdog. And eventually, as these movies progress, it gets harder and harder to make Rocky be the underdog. True. Because even this movie, like, he's got a big fucking mansion. He's super famous. He's got a whole ass statue dedicated to him. He's the champ. And it's hard when you're the champ to be like, oh, I'm the underdog. No, you're not really the underdog anymore. You're not the guy who's clawing his way to the top. That's one of the big themes of this movie is when you lose that that drive. That sense. Ah, yes, you need to have the eye of the tiger. Exactly. We're going to reference eye of the tiger a lot during this. Because they do it in this movie. (laughs) They Uh, don't even play the song a lot. They just say the title a lot. Well, they play it three times in the movie. In this 90-minute movie. (laughs) And then they reference it like four more times. But it's actually a real-world thing. Because a lot of fighters and boxers, when they lose that edge, they tend to quickly after that lose quite a bit uh the most recent examples like conor mcgregor like he had all this big attitude and then he got his ass beat like twice (laughs) so it's a real world thing and i think it does well here yes 
despite the fact that Rocky at this point in his career is a little lofty, a little higher and mightier, you still feel for him as a person and you want him to succeed against the big mean Mr. T. <laughs> hey, Mr. T is he's not a good actor. Let's just call it what it is. Well, no. Uh, he plays our villain, as it were, in this movie, Clubber Lang. And uh, it is his film debut. It is. But uh, he was nominated for a Razzie Award for this performance. So that tells you something right there. <laughs> well, Clubber's basically a ripoff of Mike Tyson. Uh-huh. But Clubber Lang is so goddamn quotable. Yeah, it, the character is bad. Like, if you look at him compared with how Apollo Creed was in Rocky Two, he's definitely not as good of a character or a, a, a foil for Rocky. However, he is iconic in a sense that, like, he started off Mr. T's iconic career and his catchphrase of, I pity the fool. With winning a Razzie, he became such an iconic character in Rocky lore that people have been constantly, like... Especially now with the Creed series, like, everybody's got to be somebody's son. Right. Oh, have we yet to meet Clubber's son? No, we, we've met Drago's son, and we've met, of course, Creed's son. Yes. And well, Creed Three just came out, so... Yes, that is true. Well, I don't think... I, I highly doubt Jonathan Majors is playing Clubber Lang's son. Oh, yeah, I don't, think Cl- I don't think Jonathan Majors is Clubber's son. No, he's, he's too good for that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah... There's not really a whole lot of drama. Like, there's a little bit, but, like, it's more just like, oh, it's a, it's a fun another journey with Rocky. That's how I put it. It's kind of just a fun, laid-back movie. Because by this point, it's Rocky Three. You don't have to really uh, hurt your brain very much to figure out where the story is going. And, you know, it's, it's essentially kind of a retread of an old Rocky story just kind of compacted a little bit with some other things in here that make it more interesting and more, more fun. Like you said, you got Hulk Hogan in here, you got Mr. T in here, but ultimately it is kind of a a standard Rocky story. I think this is also the start. I I may be slightly off in years, but I think this is the start of when Stallone started feeling that he was Stallone. Sure, I mean, art imitates life in some ways. Yeah. I mean, he did First Blood the same year as this movie. Yeah. So, yeah, we got Rocky, we got Rambo. He's becoming the Stallone we all know and love here now. (laughs) So, let's just do some preliminary fun facts before we get into the nitty and the gritty. Of course, this was written and directed by Sly Stallone. We all know he wrote the first movie and wrote and directed the second one. It was also composed once again by Bill Conti, who also did one and two. We're all aware of the Rocky franchise by this point. There's six Rocky movies, now three Creed movies. Stallone's always involved in some kind of way, although I don't think he's in the movies anymore. I think he's done with being in the movies. I think Creed Free he is not in. Yeah. Because I think he, they've asked him about this, and he's like, you know, it, it's technically a time jump. It's a couple of years from Creed 2. Oh. Uh, so are we assuming Rocky's dead by this point? Well, he had cancer. Yeah, right? I, I don't. I haven't seen all of the movies yet, mind you. this is I've only seen Rocky 3 now, 1, 2, and 3. So I'm, I'm working my way up the franchise. We, we may skip 5, but that's uh, 
another store. Which one's five? I know four is the one with Drago, yeah. right? Yes. What's five? Five's uh, <laughs> the street fight with Tommy Guns. Oh, well, I'm a completionist, so we might have to watch that anyway. But uh, maybe not for the show. Maybe we'll skip it for the show. Yeah, that might hurt me inside. Oh, uh. no. Well, then we'll have to do it for the show. <laughs> we know we all love to watch Scott suffer. Oh, God. But yeah, Sly Stallone is still doing his damnedest here and working his ass off. He claims during this movie he got to a body fat of 2.6% at 155 pounds. And he, he only ate 10 egg whites piece of toast every day with fruit every third day a two-mile jog daily with weight training and sparring and swimming which is in the movie yeah i believe it he looks jacked as fuck in this movie there's one point where he has a a running scene we're going to talk about that because there's a lot with the the beach running scenes but when he's running at one point and the hair is just flowing ever so like softly and bushily as it does in the 80s i guess yeah he he looked good <laughs> well yeah it's him and it's apollo because Apollo's another big figure here ah yes we got carl weathers back in this movie hooray and so happy every time we talk about carl weathers i love him <laughs> that man should have had a better career like he has a good he, career he has a good career but the thing is it seems like in movies that he's been in that he's known for he's always like second fiddle yeah it's like why why is that it just he's got so much charisma like it's oozing out of him it really really is is, yeah (laughs) and he doesn't show up for like a bit in this movie but yeah he like really kind of just shines He, he steals every scene he's in really and then of course before we get into it i feel like we have to discuss because just like in Rocky 1, where we had the iconic song, Gonna Fly Now, that had all this notoriety and is still a, a huge song and is present very much in this movie. They have like every instrument known to man in this movie playing Gonna Fly Now at some point or another. We also have an iconic song that came out of this movie. And so I would argue it's even more iconic than Gonna Fly Now, just in the lexicon. It's it's close. It's the it's those two. I I would argue this song at least... More people would be like, oh, that's Eye of the Tiger, while the other one's the Rocky song. And more likely than not, it's going to have already been present in this episode in the intro music. So it's fucking Eye of the Tiger, guys, by Survivor. It's an iconic fucking song. We've all heard it. I will say it was nominated for an Oscar. It's the only Oscar nomination this movie got uh, in 1983. However, it lost to Up Where We Belong from An Officer and a Gentleman. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh? Yep. I mean, that's an iconic song, too. But like, this song is better, for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to remember because at this moment, I've been racking my brain. I'm like, do I know any other Survivor songs? And I'm sure I do. But let's face it, this is the only song that I think has outlasted Survivor's reign in the 80s. You know, it's funny, too, since we're talking about Officer and a Gentleman, this movie it made a lot of money, obviously, because Rocky, right? But also, it was the fourth highest grossing film of 1982 behind E.T., yeah. Tootsie, okay. and Officer and a Gentleman. So it just beat out Rocky Three. But yeah, the song got a lot more notoriety 
other than just the Oscars. It won a Grammy for Best Rock Performance. It was nominated for Song of the Year. It held the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 for six, count them, six weeks. And uh, apparently, fun fact, the song for the movie, the big song, was going to be You're the Best by Joe Esposito. But Stallone ended up rejecting it. And then it just ended up getting used in Karate Kid instead. So (laughs) you're the best around. I feel like that would have been good, too. But I feel like Eye of the Tiger fits so much more. Well, yeah, you're the best is kind of like it's a good song. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, it. I don't think it fits this movie. Yeah, I think because they do tell Rocky a lot in this movie. Oh, you're the best. You're the best. So that does make sense. But with Eye of the Tiger, it fits the theme of like where Rocky is at as a character right now. Like Apollo even tells him at one point, like, yeah, you've been told you're the best and you're like the best fighter in the whole damn world. But like you lost your edge. Yeah, you lost your edge. You lost that hunger inside of you. You need the eye of the tiger. So I almost did it sounded like I was doing a Mickey impression there, but I wasn't trying to. <laughs> um, but essentially that's what it is. It's like you need that hunger back. Oh Mickey. Oh Mickey. That that whole part of the movie was we're gonna talk about it. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh <laughs> oh, but yes. You ready to jump into the nitty and the gritty now? Yes, certainly I am. I'm ready to go. Eye of the tiger. Eye of the tiger, baby. <laughs> We start with a revisit of the end of Rocky 2. That was helpful for me because literally my only recap of the first two movies going into this was listening to our old episodes because I just didn't have the time to sit down and watch the movies. Adrian, I, I did, did it. it! It's still awesome to look at. Even the end, just it's just fun. And of course we go right into the Eye of the Tiger montage, which is... Rocky just defending his title 10 times. Yeah, it's a dope-ass song. It really is. It gets you so hyped. It it is a great song. In the uh, audience during some of those fights is our villain, Clubber Lang. Mwahaha! Apparently, just as a fun fact for Clubber, when we were still considering who to put in this role, there were other people in the mix, including uh, Joe Frazier. Which makes sense. Yeah, actual boxer, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. But they went with Clubber, who ended up, I think, a few years later, ended up in WWF. Yes, he did. Uh, And got, like, a cartoon show, and he was on the A-team. So this really, like, jump-started his whole career. Well, yeah. uh, He's at the first WrestleMania, I believe. He's in a tag match against Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, not against Hogan? (laughs) I think he's teaming with Hogan. Oh, that would make sense. I think it's him and Hogan versus Roddy Piper. Don't fuck with Roddy Piper. Yes, the the hot rod. That's a mistake. (laughs) He was a lunatic. See, I know a little about wrestling. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the like biggest moments like wrestling history and so when WWF started being like, we can get celebrities here. Ooh. And they still do it today. Hell, Logan Paul is fucking wrestling now. Well, he's boxing. He's so cool. No, he's actually in the WWF. Oh, is WWE, he? yeah. Oh, he, fuck me. I he's, don't care. He's wrestled like four matches. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> God damn it. Uh-oh. Jesus Christ. And during this montage, we also have... So Rocky's starting to get all popular. He's on the cover of Times Magazine. He's doing stuff with the Muppets. Like, well, that was an actual clip, I think, from his Sly Stallone yeah. on the Muppet Show, which is funny. Yeah, yeah, they were literally just using stuff Stallone had done and just replacing, instead of Sylvester Stallone, 
Rocky Balboa. That's funny. And they're intersplicing that with clips of Clubber just like training and then like beating people up. And finally, it ends with Mickey is watching a Clubber Lang fight and Clubber knocks the guy out and then points at Mickey and goes, I want Balboa. I want that bum. And then we cut to Paulie after the montage. Which, uh, you know, once again, Polly is just the same as he's been in every other movie I've seen so far. I, I would assume he never changes ever in this whole franchise. He's just a piece of shit. Paul- and he's there to be a piece of shit. He's sitting there in like a club or a restaurant or something in like a booth by himself with a fedora on. I'm like, what are you, the fucking godfather now? Pretty much, yeah. Get the fuck out of here, Paulie. Paulie, I think this Paulie's character, I think, is hurt by the fact that it's being written by Sylvester Stallone. And hear me out. Like, he clearly wants Paulie to be, like, the jealous friend who shouldn't really be jealous. He should be happy for his friend. But you know those people who are like, oh, my friend got all the success. What about me? Meanwhile, Rocky got you a job. Multiple times. Right, and he's helped you and, like, been there for you. He's married to your sister. Right, but, like, okay. Like, I it, d- it's so stupid. It's so pointless. I don't get it, and he's annoying. And Rocky just flat out calls him a jealous, lazy bum to his face. I'm like, yep, that's it. That's that's your purpose here. Like, why are we even bothering with you anymore? Because I, I think he doesn't know how to write Paulie out. But, like, God forbid you have him just slightly evolve or have something happen to him where he's not a cunt anymore he's just constantly an asshole and it's like either he's an asshole when he's there or he just fades into the background like they have this whole fight and he's just a drunk asshole and then he's like can i have a job and rocky's like yeah sure all you do is ask and it's like what why are you here paulie just go away yeah, but you know, we he's got to be here. He's got to fr- he's got to throw his alcohol at the Rocky pinball machine. Oh my god. That, that was kind of funny though. <laughs> There's just a pinball machine of Rocky in the arcade. But like also it just it's bad when the only good thing you do in the entire franchise, forget just this movie, just the entire franchise, the only good thing that you have ever done is hit Hulk Hogan with a chair. That's the only good thing you've done. And even that does not redeem you. <laughs> well, I think, again, the, the two things, yes, he hits Hogan with a chair, and I think if you go back to the first movie, he is so brazen that he is basically forcing his sister to be with Rocky. I guess, but he's just such a dick to her. It's oh, like... he's terrible to her. I'm not saying he's a good person. In his life of being a drunk bum who doesn't know how to do anything but attach himself to Rocky, those are the two good things he's ever done. I guess. But after this, we get reintroduced to our other side characters. We see Adrian again, played by Talia Shire. We see Mickey once again, played by Burgess Meredith and you know they're the same as always Adrian Rocky still cute as fuck together Mickey is still hilarious and curmudgeonly yeah and we also quickly meet Rocky's son oh he never really plays an important role until part six right that's when he's like a grown man man yeah. right yeah okay but like it, it's one of those things like 
what could you have done with Rocky's son early on? And Really nothing. At one point, they go off to train, and they just leave him home with the nanny. Okay, bye, son. I'll bring you back something. Yeah, exactly. It's... And that's, he's pointless, but it's fine. He's a child. <laughs> there are some cute moments, like, where he's reading to him and stuff. And you could see that, like, Stallone is trying to make Rocky be, like, at least a good father. Yeah. So, during all of this, Rocky, of course, has a charity fight. Because we're moving along pretty damn quickly. Yeah. And he's got a charity fight against Thunderlips. Ew, played by Hulk Hogan. This is also his film debut. He was a WWF wrestler before this that got fired for taking the role of Thunderlips, which also just, it's, is that not the dumbest fucking name for a wrestler? I'm just asking. It's not the dumbest name I've ever heard. It's not great. But after doing this movie, I guess he was hired back at wwf and then well yeah once they saw the movie was successful uh, right and then he went on to make like a handful of shitty movies as well so i mean you know yeah well wwf had a thing about like letting their wrestlers be in like movies like they didn't want roddy piper to do they live and roddy piper was so adamant that that movie was going to be a success that he quit didn't they have a whole thing like even more modern wrestlers like The Rock and John Cena and fucking Batista. They well, well, again, yes. The Rock probably opened the door. He was the first one to like jump that ship and be like, I'm going to Hollywood. And he probably opened the door for all those guys. And WWE was like, hey, if we keep these guys in house and let them like actually stay with us, we can we can make money in the back end here, which they always do. But that was their issue. They were always afraid they weren't going to make money from the back end. Like, these guys wouldn't come back. But The Rock always comes back, like, once or twice a year. Cena comes back once or twice a year. I think Batista's officially done. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird thing. And then they have their, of course, their in-house studio, which we, the less we talk about that, the better. But, yes, uh, Rocky has to fight Thunderlips, the manliest man, the the Adonis. The, this is the one time I think Stallone let somebody like be like gigantic in against him because Hogan is six seven and Rocky's five ten. Yeah, they have a point in the ring where they go up and face each other and fucking Rocky is just staring at Hogan's titties and it's just like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> got it. He is very tall and you are not as tall. Well Hogan is a monster. He he is a monster of a man. In so many ways, yes, he is a monster. So they have a f- they're fighting. Hogan throws Rocky out of the ring. Rocky takes his gloves off and starts punching Hogan for real. When I was watching it, it literally felt like I was watching a WWE fight and not like a boxing match. So it seemed like he was playing it up for the cameras because the second the fight was done, he was like, "Oh yes, let me take a picture with your wife and child." Well, like yeah. what the fuck? Wait, yeah, <laughs> I'm confused. It's, it's, it's the character. He was playing the character, and it's funny because this is before Hogan turns heel when he goes to WCW in the '90s. But like, yeah, it's just it's it's a show. That's what wrestling is. It was born in the circus. It's it's a show. Our friend Richie, who has his own wrestling podcast, is probably chomping at the bit right now, uh, (laughs) trying to chime in. Don't worry, Richie, we're going to do a wrestler movie soon. (laughs) Fringe wrestling movie, but if you want to go listen to more about wrestling, his show is called Wrestling, Retold and Relived with Richie Mars. Available wherever pods are casted. Exactly. But it's, again, a fun fight. 
Clubber, of course, is in the audience again. I pitied a fool. There's a great line. Mickey looks at Rocky goes, you ever fight a dinosaur? Oh, my God. That was, I was hysterical laughing. At this point, I feel like Mickey has just become a caricature of himself. Oh, like, yeah. He's just like, I'm here to be grizzled. Ah, kid, what are you doing, you madman? Run for your life. Rocky, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Rocky looks at him and goes, how much do you think this guy eats? And he goes, 202 pounds. And then they announce that Rocky's 202 pounds. Ah, I see what you did there, Mick. But uh, the, the one notable thing, I think, with Mickey at this point to mention is when, like at one point when the fight is going on, you see uh, Mickey kind of clutching his pearls as if he, you know, he's having some heart problems, which, uh, you know, he seems to be old as the hill. So that would make sense, wouldn't it? I, I knew Mickey died in this movie. I just didn't know how. Well, I knew I figured how just being old man. But <laughs> but when I didn't know. So a couple times throughout the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh, wait, is he going to die now? Is he going to die now? Wait, is it now? <laughs> uh, so we cut to. A special day for Rocky in the city of Philadelphia. They're dedicating a statue to Rocky Balboa. Ooh. And it's a nice looking statue. Yes. And uh, fun fact, this prop statue is real and it took seven and a half months to make. And it now stands next to the famous Rocky Steps by the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Yeah. And I've run up those steps and I've seen that statue. Well, all right, girl. But the ceremony is interrupted because Clubber Lang comes here. And he goes, you've been ducking me, Rocky. You're talking about retiring. You're a pansy. You know what? Your woman needs a real man. Yeah. You know what? It It's funny because they say in this movie, like, oh, you know, Clubber has the, the hunger in his eyes. Like, like you used to, Rocky. But, like, it's, it's still made clear that he's an asshole because he takes it to a level that's not cool like he addresses adrian directly which by the way can we just talk about adrian for a hot second adrian in this movie is the shit we're going to talk about how she is helpful to rocky a little later on but just like her her attitude like she's completely blossomed from the meek little mouse of a woman we met in rocky one and she's she's got money now because rocky's a big fighter so she's got like the makeup and the pretty hair and the dresses but like she's still a boss ass bitch you know yeah she's standing by her man and she is queen of her household and she don't take no shit oh no she doesn't take any shit but yeah, like Mickey talks about how Clubber is bad for the sport and that, and he's like, you've been ducking me. You face nothing but chumps. It, it becomes this whole circus. Uh, but yeah, he, when he does talk to Adrian directly, that's what causes Rocky to go, I'll fight you anytime, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a bunch of uh, loud talking and weird accents. It's like, rah, 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 I pity the fool. <laughs> Adrian and that's that's the scene and then Rocky goes back to Mickey and he's like what the fuck why'd you leave me there and he's like because you you can't beat him Rock <laughs> he's an animal he's a monster he's a killer Ooh. you don't have that edge anymore and I'm afraid that if you fight this guy you're not going to walk out of there and of course Rocky does his best he's like he tr- convinces Mickey like no we're going to do this one last fight. I need you there. I'll train every day. And their training becomes a circus. 
Yeah, you mentioned while we were watching it, it comes off very similarly to how Apollo did in Rocky 2 and even Rocky 1 where like he was kind of hot shit and it was all about being boastful and like wearing the big hats and you know a lot of spectacle yes and not as much about the fighting like he wasn't taking it as seriously as he probably should have and that's why Rocky got one over on him so it just seemed like he was going down that same trajectory yeah. going into this fight with Clubber well it, it plays into the whole fact of like Yes, he's lost his edge. Yes, money does change you when you are finally successful and you aren't that guy anymore scrapping for every inch. Rocky's a long way from fighting fucking Spider Rico for $40. And Mickey knows that. Mickey sees that. So now we cut to Rocky vs. Clubber 1. Ooh, baby. Rocky and Mickey are like, getting all the interview questions. He's like, oh, after this, I don't know. I will join the circus, right, Mick? And Mick goes, yeah, Clubber's all serious. He's like, get the fuck out of my locker room, you fucking peasants. Like, Oh, yeah. He was like, I just want to be left alone. Like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> and he hits a fucking camera, and it's like, just just leave the guy alone. Go get him, Mr. Sullivan. Quiet. You're making him lose his focus. Oh, no. Sorry. Shut up. And now we get the altercation before the match in the stairwell. Yeah, and Clubber pushes Mickey, and then he kind of goes into a heart attack. Yes, Mickey has a heart attack. Of course, Rocky's like, whoa, oh my God, oh my God. He takes Mickey into the locker room, and he's like, we got to cancel the fight. Mickey's like, we're not canceling the fight. Go out there. Do what we, you got to do. We should have canceled the fight. Because, <laughs> first of all, even if you were equipped, like you're not going to be able to focus if you're worried about Mickey in the back of your mind, right? And also, what bothered me about this whole scene is like, okay, the fight's happening. You know, obviously, we all know Rocky fucking loses, right? But that's besides the point, right? The second... Mickey's just in the back of the fucking... He's in the locker room this whole time. No one thought, let's call an ambulance. Let's get him out of here to a hospital. Uh, no, they go through the whole fight, and then Rocky goes back to the locker room, and the doctor they got back there is like, oh, we need to get him to the hospital immediately, Rocky. And it's like, what, what is he, the guy's father? You could just take him there. You don't need Rocky's permit. Take him to the fucking hospital. Not only that. So I've been to backstage of, like, fighting events. Like, I interviewed some fighters back in the first fight that ever came to New York City for, like, UFC which was a fun time, but they have six, six ambulances on standby outside the arena to take anybody who gets too hurt out to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, it, it really just seemed very irresponsible to leave this old withered man having a heart attack with lying, Adrian lying on a slab with Adrian yeah Rocky leaves to go fight and he's like you take care of him Adrian it's like what the fuck is she gonna do I don't I didn't I didn't understand this and I get it's for all of this happens for the drama of when Rocky comes in and his face is fucked up from getting beat the fuck out of by Clubber and he has a whole sad death scene with Mickey I got it like I get that all of this stupid shit had to happen for that to happen but it still didn't make any sense and 
it almost took me totally out of it. I'll, I will say that Mickey's death scene with Rocky and them kind of saying goodbye to each other essentially was really sweet. That could have happened at the hospital. It could have happened at the hospital. I'm not going to lie. Rocky's sort of wails almost made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> but but I was in it. I was in it. It's fine. I, I got it. I'm in it. I'm here. Oh, God. Before we get there, so during the fight... Apollo's on the announcer desk. Yes, yes, Carl Weathers. And he goes into the ring to be like, all like, hey, you know, he's he's almost like, this is fun. Like, everybody enjoy this. He goes up to Clubber. He goes to shake Clubber's hand. Clubber's like, get out of here, you has-been. Whoa, what yeah. the fuck, bro? And then he goes over to Rocky and he looks at Rocky and goes, knock this fucker out, man. Yeah, kick his ass. <laughs> I just like Carl Weathers in this movie. If it wasn't for him dying in four, I would have liked to seen an Apollo prequel series. You could still do that. You could, but I don't think it would be the same. Well, no, it wouldn't be the same without. That's Car- the thing, too. It kind of sucks that Carl Weathers couldn't be in any of these Creed movies. Because he dies. Right. Exactly. Um, like, that kind of sucks. Or you could just do it like the soap opera way and have him have been like in witness protection for 20, 30 years and then come out of the war like, hey, son, (laughs) that wouldn't be stupid at all. (laughs) Oh, God, that would be messy. It Uh, would. Yes. That was a joke. Yes. Please don't do that. That was a joke, guys. Don't get all upset. I know it's stupid. That's why I said it. It's stupid. (laughs) This is the thing, though. So Rocky, Rocky and Clubber are both sluggers Apollo fit well into Rocky because Rocky can just keep coming at Apollo because Apollo's a dancer Clubber is like Rocky but he hits harder and it's just like oh I'm just gonna swing and he, Rocky just goes straight forward and Clubber beats the living shit out of him and yeah it's pretty rough to watch it so Clubber knocks out Rocky in the second round yeah that was quick. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what happens. This whole movie's quick, but that was quick. <laughs> uh, of course, then we get the death scene that Frankie was talking about. Yeah, and then we get the preceding kind of grieving of Mickey and his funeral and kind of Rocky down on his luck because he's sad because not only has friends slash coach died, but his title's gone and he's feeling shitty just in general, which, okay, fine. Well, he feels like a fake, too, because it all came out that Mickey was giving him easier fights. Right, to retain his title so he wouldn't get hurt. He was trying to protect him, is what he told Rocky, which is fair. I get what he's saying. And Rocky was like, oh, what, you were giving me set-up fights? And he's like, not setups, but I didn't want you to get hurt out there trying to defend your fucking title. Like, seriously hurt. But the the whole thing, okay, so I don't know. Maybe I have to watch this movie again. But the whole death scene, like I mentioned, along with all the stuff that comes after in regards to grieving for Mickey, it's just, it seems off in some way. And I don't know exactly what it, I can't put my finger on it. It might be because of the quick pace. Maybe it's because everything just seems rushed in this part. Maybe it's because Stallone isn't really a great actor. Maybe that too. Maybe because, I don't know, it's weird because... uh, it feels rushed, but also it feels like the story kind of grinds to a halt 
it didn't feel like you know what it is the rest of the movie is so quick paced and it's all about the fighting and the training and the bop 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 everything's so quick and then this kind of slows down which makes sense because it's a death and we're grieving but it just feels like it doesn't fit in with the rest of the movie it doesn't it it, it is a slowing down of the movie I think you see the limitations of Stallone as an actor. And as a writer, too, probably. And as a writer, too. I think Stallone, while he's great in the action and some of his drama can be fun, like in Rocky where he's yelling at Mickey, that's a great moment. When he's sitting there talking to Adrian and they're having emotional like moments between the two of them. Yeah. That's good. I don't think Stallone does sad. Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe that's what it... Because the... Like I said, in the death scene itself, there were a couple moments in that scene that were really good and like made me feel sad. Like when uh, he was trying to convince Mickey that he was okay and that he won. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it was a knockout. Mick, everything's fine. Yeah, we're fine, Mick. And then when Mickey was saying, he like, oh, I love you, Rocky. I love you. And, and like I felt things. I was like, oh, okay, sad. And then, like I said, Rocky started to cry and wail. And I, I like to stop myself from laughing for a second. I don't know. Yeah, it just felt off. Like I think I, I think you might be right. I think sad is harder for Sly to write and or betray. act. Yeah. When they pan out and it's like Mickey's dead body and it's Stallone like over him. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Like yeah, that hurt. that's sad. But yeah, the close up of him when he's like wailing, you're like, okay, Stallone. I was like, like <laughs> nope. Honest, sad. Feel sad. <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't. I think Apollo. When we get to four, you'll, I think that's might be his best like sad moment. Oh, when Apollo dies, it's better. I think? think so. Partially because I think Rocky feels responsible for that. I was gonna say Apollo dies in the ring, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and I think that and Stallone's responsible kind of for that because he was training Apollo or helping him. Or? Um, he was Apollo's trainer. Yes. Okay, got it, got it. But yeah, so he's at Mickey's old gym. The lights are off. Nobody's there. And who walks in the door? As if an angel from on high has come to save the day, Apollo Creed enters. And we're all excited. We're like, yeah, Apollo, you're here. And he goes, you're going to get another match of Clubber, but I'm going to train you. Come with me if you want to live. Oh, no, sorry. That's that's Schwarzenegger. Sorry, Schwarzenegger. I know Apollo has a, a movie with Schwarzenegger, but, you know... We don't get a handshake in this one. Oh, right. Predator. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. Remember back in the old days, we used to do the Predator handshake on the show a lot of times? Yes, we Just did. Just the clip yep. for no reason? Yep. Let's do it now. Dylan! You son of a bitch. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. And he and Rocky make the challenge to Clubber. And Clubber's like, I don't accept this challenge, but if Rocky wants to get beaten again, fine, bring the old man on. So they fly to Los Angeles, California. And then we get a quick reminder of Pauly being dickhead, and he's just like, why aren't we here? It's so gross and disgusting. Look at all these black people. Aren't they horrible? It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Paul? Shut the fuck up. Yeah, Pauly, again... Is He's not just a good an guy. idiot. He's a racist. He does absolutely nothing in this movie. Nothing. He's except an, hit Hogan with a chair. He's he's an asshole. He's a racist. 
Paulie's not a good guy. He's and, rude to his sister, even again in this movie too. He's like at one point Adrian's wearing a dress and she looks gorgeous because Talia Shire and she's looking great. And he just goes, Ah, oh, Adrian, you almost look pretty in that dress. I'm like, Are you fuck shut the fuck up, you fat piece of shit? Just shut up. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> He really doesn't need to be there. He really is put like if he had some kind of purpose, maybe I'd feel differently. Like maybe you know, because we've all we all have asshole characters in movies that are either there for comic relief, or or as juxtaposition for someone else, or to be a foil. But like he has no purpose. I whatsoever. I honestly think, a yes, Stallone didn't know how to write him out of the movie. And B, it was just like, oh, Paulie's Paulie. I, I think it. maybe in his mind, he's p- comic relief. Maybe. Uh, but I, I don't know who he's comic relief for. I don't know. Do people like Paulie as a character? <laughs> Are there people out there that enjoy his presence? I, I can't imagine. I don't think so. And I think... <laughs> like, I'm trying to... Like, who who does Paulie appeal to as a character? Other drunk assholes? I don't know. I guess. But like, like you could have left... Rocky's kids with Paulie and been like okay fine right. I mean that doesn't make me feel great as like from a parental perspective but for the sake of the movie you could have just did that that's fine ish uh, you know just so they're both out of the movie he, he's the weakest part of this movie he's the weakest part of every Rocky movie that I've seen so far at least in Rocky like you said his purpose is to hook up rocky with adrian but after that it's like what is your purpose here? he's just a jealous asshole for the rest of the series but then yeah okay so we go to the gym and yeah we start the training and the the training itself is fun and carl weathers gets a chance to really shine here yeah he he's trying to make rocky more like him right more of a quick fighter who is on the balls of his feet Quick jabs, move out of the way. Because he knows you can't go straight at Clubber. Right. He says at one point to like another trainer at this gym that he's working with, he's like, he has to be able to get Clubber out in like seven or eight rounds because he can't, he's going to lose steam after that. Because he's, cause he's old. He's 34. He's so old. I was like, oh my God. Well, well, <laughs> God damn it. Well, in fighting terms, yes. Right. No, I get it. It's just funny. He's 34. He's so old. I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Rocky doesn't have it. Yeah, there was one point where it was a really good scene with Carl Weathers. And um, he's literally in the ring with Rocky. And he keeps covering himself. And, like, Apollo just hitting him and hitting him. And he's not hitting back. And Apollo just loses his temper at one point. Damn, Rock, come on! What's the matter with you? Tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. There is no tomorrow! There is no tomorrow. Ooh, Apollo, you're killing me. Uh, that was good. Apo- it was good shit. Uh, the amount of Apollo, like, shirtless or, like, mid-drift. Apollo looks fucking good, man. Dude, okay, we're going to get to the beach scene. Because the beach scene is, like, the pivotal moment where Rocky has a turn in his character, right? But the beach scene where they're running. So, okay. <laughs> Apollo and Rocky go to this beach, right? And they're doing like a race down the beach and Apollo has this midriff shirt on bro they're like girl <laughs> the 80s were a hell of a time to be alive 
<laughs> because girl <laughs> that midriff though oh yeah but yeah they they race down the beach and then it, the scene is actually done really well where as rocky is running he gets kind of bombarded with all of these memories of mickey and getting his ass kicked yeah you can tell it's kind of all stuck he's he's stuck in his head essentially is what they're trying to convey and he can't really get over certain shit psychologically and it's fucking with him and he just stops mid-race and then you have what i would say is arguably the best scene in the movie with rocky and adrian basically arguing about what the fuck is going on with him and it really this is why i'm like okay so stallone may have some problems with conveying grief in movies and that he writes and or acts in but as far as like this scene like it's i think it's written really well and i think it is acted really well however i do think that talia shire being opposite Sly Stallone really helps him. I think it it brings out the best in him, that husband-wife dynamic that they have in the movie. Well, I think Talia Shire is underrated. Yeah, as for an, sure. As an actress in general. Anytime she gets that chance to like fully get a scene where she takes over. Right. Like this, like when she yells at Paulie in the first movie. Once she gets that moment in the movie, and usually it's one like really big moment. Yeah. You're like, yes. I think, too, with Adrian as a character and Talia Shire as an actress, I I just think that character, like, she's a badass bitch, like I said before, but in a different way than a lot of modern-day female characters are. Like, she's not an outwardly, like, boisterous, badass character in that way. She's kind of a silent but deadly kind of bitch like she'll just sit back and watch and she'll watch out for her man and then when she needs to step in like at this moment where he's at the precipice essentially at this moment she'll step in and do what has to be done and like get him the fuck together and that's what i like what's the truth damn it i'm afraid all right you want to hear me say it you want to break me down all right i'm afraid for the first time in my life i'm afraid i'm afraid too there's nothing wrong with being afraid. There is. For me, there is. Why, you're human, aren't you? You know, in a modern day movie where there's a badass bitch, she would be the one in the ring beating yeah. up fucking Mr. T. But we don't need that. For this, we we need a, a strong ass lady who is the backbone of her family and she's going to stand by her man. And she don't need the credit. She don't need belts and shit. She just needs her dude. And she essentially says that in this scene. At one point, he's like, well, what if I lose? And she's like, then you fucking lose. Like, we started off, you had pennies and I had pennies. And we, you know, we had nothing and we were together and we were good. Like, I'm cool with that. I just want you to be okay. And this, of course, gets Rocky together and he gets his montage now. Yes, we kind of immediately go into the Gonna Fly Now montage, which essentially is like the badass training montage where Rocky is with it and he's ready to go. And I did like this montage for so many reasons. I love this montage. There was the one part where like him and Apollo are like dancing with their little feetsies in synchronicity in front of the mirror. And it's like a little fucking aerobics dance scene almost from like a music video. It was really funny. And then they do another race on the beach and they just they just have a shot just one shot of their fucking thighs just apollo and rocky's thighs and i'm like girl <laughs> thunder thighs just all in the shot and i'm like okay 
you know what? Show it off. You got buns of steel. Show them off, girl. And then when Rocky has his moment on the beach where they're, he's racing Apollo and he finally beats him in the race, they celebrate by splashing around in the ocean together like a couple of schoolgirls. And it's just so very sweet and cute. And I'm like, okay. I enjoy this montage very much. It, it, it's kind of it's a cute moment with them in the fucking water, just jumping around. Uh, but we're best buddies. <laughs> <laughs> now we get to Clubber versus Rocky too. Yeah. So when we got here, we're at Madison Square Garden, and we're like, "Oh, it's Rocky versus Clubber Lang." And I'm like, "Wait, we're fucking here already?" And Scott's like, "Yeah, we're here already." I'm like, "It felt like we had been sitting there for maybe an hour." <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Are we fucking here? Okay. <laughs> we're here. And, you know, we're doing the pre-interviews where Clubber's like, my prediction for this fight is pain. Do you hate Rocky Balboa? I don't hate Rocky Balboa. I pity the fool. And I was like, ah, that's the thing he says to people all the time on the TV. And, <laughs> and then Apollo's like, hey, Rock, you ready for this fight? Here, I'm going to give you my shorts from the first fight. <laughs> the shorts. The American sh- the American shorts. It reminded me of fucking Space Jam when Michael Jordan says to the dude, I need you to get my lucky shorts. <laughs> I need you to go back to my house and get my lucky shorts. And the Looney Tunes, by the way, who like beat the shit out of each other on a regular basis are disgusted by the idea of going to a man's house and getting his lucky sweaty shorts. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Oh, and God. then Apollo's like, make sure you clean those before you give them back to me. Oh, God. We go down to the ring, and Rocky is standing there. He's getting warmed up. He's like, okay, and Apollo's there. And then the fucking Clubber comes up to him and looks at him and goes, you should have never came back. And after I kick his ass, you're next. And he shoves Creed. Which, fuck you, dude. Like, you know, have some fucking class. You should take lessons from Apollo Creed in class. Finally, the fight starts. And Rocky's doing what he's got to do. He's he's dancing around the ring. He's making Clubber swing and miss a lot. And... Clubber loses the first round. Clubber does knock Rocky down. But then Rocky gets up and goes, you're tired. You're breathing heavy. We're only in the second round of what should be a 15-round fight here. And he's looking at Apollo and goes, dude, he's tired. I'm, I'm just going to fucking have him run around some more, basically. Yeah, he, he just keeps kind of toying with him, essentially, which is pretty funny, considering how cocky Mr. T was going into this thing. But again, based off Tyson, because the same thing happened to Tyson. Tyson, If Tyson didn't knock you out early, which he did to most people, Tyson got tired. Stallone's talking like, hit me harder, hit me harder. And Clubber's using all his strength, throwing punches. And then finally, Rocky knocks him down and knocks him out in the third round. And Rocky wins. Rocky wins. Again, it all happens very quickly. <laughs> Again, both fights are... The first fight's two rounds. This fight's three. You know what this movie is? If you want to watch Rocky, but don't feel like sitting down for like a full length of a movie, like, you know, you just want to like sit down and have a snack and just really power through a Rocky movie at like two times the speed, but you don't have a, a Netflix fucking speedometer that can move up the fucking <laughs> the runtime, then just watch Rocky 3. And it's basically like a pocket-sized Rocky movie. <laughs> But again, Rocky wins. Everybody's happy. Everybody's cheering because he was the fan favorite. 
Yeah, you know what's weird too? I didn't mention this, but with the fight with Hogan and the fight with Mr. T, there's like the clear heel in the in the fight. Yeah. Like, when Mr. T walks in for the last fight, they're all booing him. A fan fucking like randomly attacks him. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? It didn't seem like, and maybe I'm wrong because I didn't rewatch one and two going into this, but it didn't seem like it was that intense the fan reactions in the in the first and second one like to the point of wwe type oh this guy's a heel this guy's the hero type thing like they're favorites like apollo creed was the favorite and rocky was the underdog right but they weren't booing rocky when he went in to fight apollo well well, no i think the first movie's different because apollo's the champ and apollo is like he's so charismatic and he's talking the game up and Rocky's just Rocky's the everyday underdog. Like that's that's the that's the dynamic of that first one. I think Apollo does get booed a little in the second one. He was like, "I'm never fighting Rocky again." Blah blah blah. And then he's oh, also right. he, they he, like tried to make him like a pussy because he wouldn't fight Rocky. Again. Yeah, I think that's a much more. He's being a little more heelish in the second one. Clubber, they make him the bad guy in this just because of who he is as a person. Well, because yeah, because he's got a bad fucking attitude. Yeah. And there are fighters like that who right, have that attitude. Yeah. Like, again, Conor McGregor is a great example. He walks around with a swagger and everybody fucking hates when he does it. But they love to hate him. He's got that exactly. type of thing Exactly. Right. So Clubber, if Clubber had more than one title defense and, like, he, he lasted, let's say, two, three years as champion, like, that would kind of be his thing if he kept going. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he doesn't. So we now cut to... The favor. Ah, the favor. This I knew about too, because they. I think they parodied this last scene in Family Guy. They so did. I, I again. I point to Family Guy for all of my pop culture references. So <laughs> I knew that this was coming. And Apollo's like, "You beat me by one second last time. I have to prove to myself. No cameras. No nothing. Me and you. Who's the better fighter? Do we ever find out who won?" Uh, no. Uh, I think, I think Rocky does reference this fight in Balboa. Oh. But I don't think we ever find out who won this fight. Ah, one of life's great mysteries. (laughs) Because, of course, we end on, do you want to ring the bell? Ding. 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 And they they both go in for a punch and freeze frame. And that's the end of Rocky 3. The main thing I feel like I'll remember from this is how quick it was. But yeah, it really, it's a, like I said, it's a standard Rocky type story, underdog who doesn't think he can do it, but then trains and goes through his shit and then is able to do it and pull it out of his ass. And that's good. It was fun and I enjoyed it. Um, It's kept from being kind of a boring standard story with the addition of characters like Apollo and Mr. T and even fucking Thunderlips even though he's only in it for a second but it really was fun to watch Paulie fat ass dickhead McGee hit Hulk Hogan with a chair <laughs> that was a highlight for me but yeah uh, I had fun it's a fun movie it, it's probably the most fun movie as you said, it's short. It's quick. It's, it's the least intense because th- there's a serious element to Rocky, obviously, and there's a serious element to Rocky too, also. 
this didn't seem like it had i mean mickey died in it which is crazy but even with that it didn't seem like it had as much emotional dramatic gravitas as the previous two movies no and like where we said like one of the problems with two is we wanted more apollo yes because that there, is true i'm glad we got more apollo in this we got more apollo plus we have again uh, we have a clear face heel dynamic which is very easy it gives us our hero it gives us our villain and it, it lets the story keep going right I was kind of stuck in my rating of this movie on Letterboxd. I was stuck between a three and a half and a four. I, like I said, I really did have fun with it, but there were flaws in it also. But that was kind of how I felt about Rocky 2. I had fun with it. It was a good movie, but there were flaws. So I ended up giving Rocky 2, when we watched that, a four out of five stars. So ultimately, even though I was stuck between three and a half and four, I rounded up to a four. Because I have had a good experience with the Rocky movies so far. And even with their flaws, I overall enjoy them for many reasons, including the charisma of the characters, the performances, the music. It's time to stop. It's time to stop, okay? No more. Where the fuck are your parents? I am also at a four out of five. There are things that could be expanded here, things that could have been a little more interesting. Certain things like Paulie could have been like really dropped out of the movie or flushed out if you had a better writer. But again, this is Stallone's baby, so this is what he's going to do. But it's still fun. Agreed. So we are currently preparing for the Oscars, which is going to be this Sunday. And we will have our Oscars review episode up for you guys next week on Wednesday as usual. I'm excited about that. We're going to do another uh, live show as it were. It's going to be edited down but we are going to be recording our live reactions to the Oscars as we watch it. So hopefully something crazy happens like they ha- like it has the last two years and uh, we can give you guys some solid entertainment. I'm sure the betting odds are for like nothing to happen this year it has to be through the roof. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had two pretty solid years of crazy weird shit. So, I mean, maybe we're due for a boring year at the Oscars finally. Who knows? But either way, we're going to make it entertaining for you also don't you worry and the winner best actor paulie shore oh no he's not even nominated (laughs) pinocchio really was a true story after all so yeah until next week this has been shoot the flick i'm frankie sparks and i'm scott eisenberg Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And don't worry, after the Oscars, we will continue with our three-quill month. It will be quite an exciting time. Make sure you come back next week for our prestigious golden statuesque movie adventure. I pity the fool who doesn't come back. I am